welcome to another exciting episode of Unconventional Ministry. I am your cordial host, Ron Stafford. So glad to have you there on the other side of your listening device. We've been able to talk to our new CEO, Rita Elmunayer, via Skype over in Cyprus. Uh, we've had some wonderful conversations. Again, sat7usa.org, sat7usa.org. Just click on the podcast uh, link there. You can listen to all the shows there. You can check them out on Podbean, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever the case may be. And you can also support Set7 right there. And you can join the conversation. If you're listening to this podcast and say, hey, Stafford, I want to be a part of that show. I, I like what you're doing. I said, you know, thank you very much. You can join the conversation. Just fill out the information there and our very own Dennis Weens will get in touch with you. That's sort of how my uh, guest today came and uh, contacted us. His name is Howard Salter. He has a wonderful background in ministry, the armed forces, and a whole lot more. Mr. Salter, welcome to the program. Good to have you here. Thanks, Ron. Can you go into more detail about how you found Set7 and uh, how the whole conversation started with our team? Absolutely. So I received the uh, National Religious Broadcasters, the NRB newsletter, mm-hmm. and there was an ad in a newsletter that I happened to open. I can tell you, I don't very often open those newsletters. It's a lot of, it's not spam because I asked for it, right. but oftentimes the subject line just doesn't catch my attention. But in this particular instance, they had a subject line that related directly to some ministry things that we were doing. And I opened it up and here's an advertisement for this podcast called unconventional ministry. (laughs) And got a background in tech. So I'm leveraging all these technology things in our church plant. Right. And so uh, I, I don't do, ministry in the standard way you would think i mean don't get me wrong we have a sunday morning service and i get up and i speak and and i'm you know we're reaching out to community with community events but as far as you know keeping in touch with people i leverage technology to the hilt so it really inspired me to open up that newsletter and when i saw your your ad and then i went and listened to all the back episodes and It's pretty fantastic, I mean, to have this focus. And then that's when I started to learn more about SAT-7. Excellent. Let's just uh, give our listeners a little bit of a background. Computers, the armed forces, and ministry. Can you just sort of go timeline-wise about, say, the last 10, 20 years of your life, if you would? (laughs) Sure. And summarize it in 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) You've got time. Go. Uh, Take your time. Our, uh, I'll tell you, I, I come from computers way back. My my mom, actually, I have to thank her for this. She got me started on a Commodore computer that we had when I was uh, 10 or 12 years old. Mm. She got me interested in programming because we got these magazines that had games in the, like, game code in the back of the magazine. Cool. And so I would sit down with the magazine at, like, start at, like, 7 o'clock in the evening on a, on a Friday or a Saturday and just code, type in this code all night and debug it all night to get a little block to move across the screen as I shoot another smaller block at it to take a chunk out. Uh, And it was, to me, it was the coolest thing ever, you know, and that kind of started me in computers. Well, let's fast forward a while. We actually, at that time I was attending a church. Well, a church might be loose interpretation. We were more along the lines of a cult at that time. And it was very important to me as I hit young adulthood and this cult kind of fell apart to be self-sufficient, I kind of wanted to turn my back on anything religious or anything spiritual. 
Now, God has a funny way of dealing with people when they do stuff like that. He wants to just reach out and grab them where they are. You know, you can turn your back on God, but that doesn't mean God's going to turn his back on you. That's right. So it was just a few years later, I met my wife, we got married, we joined a church. And as we moved forward with the church, God actually called us to join the military. And I've never been called into a ministry so loudly in my life. Uh, we joined in, I joined up in April of 2005. And when I went to join, it's a funny story. Uh, I wanted to do one job and then God kind of showed up again and went, no, you're going to do this other job. Hmm. The other job that I ended up doing was I went into the infantry, uh, which is about as far away from where I wanted to be as I could think of, but it was obviously where he was leading me and the ministry opportunity was tremendous. So I joined the infantry, did seven years there, had a combat deployment to Iraq, got out of the military, came home, worked on, you know, just reconnecting with my family for about a year and a half. And then we started getting involved with churches again, leading and and getting into lay leadership. And and God called us uh, just recently to plant a church. And so I've been continuing this web development piece we're working through the, we're in the soft launch phase of a church plant, which is the second to last phase, if you will, before you actually launch. So during the soft launch, we're kind of ramping up. We're doing some community events and preparing for our big celebration launch coming up in October. I discovered, I well, rediscovered is probably the better term, podcasting about a year and a half ago. Hmm. And I started listening, I guess it was closer to two years ago. And I started listening to some great podcasts. Uh, there's one locally here in Orlando called the Nerd of God cast. And those guys are like nerd culture Christians hmm. that just totally get me, <laughs> that I get them too. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good podcast for folks like me who are uh, computer nerds and, and culture nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of got me going, you know, hey, I want to start. I want to do some podcasts. I'm an audio guy. I've been serving in churches, doing live sound for years. I'm a computer guy. And those are the two things that you need to really be successful at podcasting. So I launched a podcast that summarily failed after about 20 episodes. And then I launched another podcast and I hired myself out to host and produce the podcast. And then uh, I started guesting on podcasts and here we are. (laughs) Hmm. What is the name of your own podcast? The Ace Report uh, towards veterans and uh, military personnel who've, who've left the military okay. and are you know facing some of those things in civilian life that only other veterans would understand. Hmm. How many shows have you done so far, Howard? We've got 20 episodes of The Ace Report. Okay, uh, we're, we're kind of on a season break, if you will, yeah. right now yeah. with all the things going on with the church plant. I'm trying to line up some more interviews for that show. Right. Um, so if you're a military and you're Christian and you'd love to come on and tell your story, com. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a couple of those episodes. You do a great job. Just phenomenal work. Talk oh, real you. quick about um, the name of the church. It's called Belong Church. Talk about your church and then we'll move into a story about how Sat7 is working in a, a very dangerous Middle East. Belong Church, uh, as my wife and I were being called and, and here's the real cool part of the story. So we came out of that cult as early 20s, late teens, individuals who were very selfishly focused. Mm. But after our, we both came to a point of salvation. 
during that same time, that denomination was going through major upheaval, and they were becoming a true, biblically founded, theologically correct church, a mainstream denomination, if you will. We have this kind of parallel time in our life and the life of the denomination. We've been, you know, as part of the military, we were moved all over the place and and got to be a part of some really great churches that we could have stayed at for life and served for life and made really good friends, you know, uh, growing churches. And it was just, it was, it was hard to leave some of those churches, you know? So as we, as we move towards God calling us to plant a church, we actually are now reconnected with what used to be the cult that now is the mainstream denomination, but they've gone through so much upheaval they haven't had any brand new, not a relaunch of an existing congregation, church plants. So we came to them, said, hey, we felt like God is calling us to be a part of this, uh, to be a part of your denomination and plant this church. Right. So it's been this really cool process of going through all this. Now, the Belong name actually uh, refers to we are we are specifically reaching out to people who have been burned by religion, people who have been hurt by the people who are supposed to be protecting them. The people that are supposed to be comforting them and fighting alongside them are the ones that have hurt them. And so what we're doing is we're targeting those people who came out of the cult with this really sour taste of God and Jesus and and really not we're not we're not trying to convince them to join our church what we're doing is we're just showing them that we love them and 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 that you can't always mistake the master for his followers you know so belong kind of was birthed out of this idea that it's not us who you know we don't we don't save people we present the gospel the Holy Spirit does the work within them. Jesus is the one ultimately changing their lives, right? So we're not we're not responsible for that. What we're responsible for is what he's called us to do. And we present that gospel. We, you know, we may be the one to harvest, but that's okay if, if we're not. It's okay if we're the ones who are planting and watering and loving and nurturing and comforting. Those are the things that we're focusing on. Ha- having people feel like they belong to this adoptive body of Christ. It's mm. mm. well said. Um, so talk about, so if anyone is in the Orlando area, just talk about some details about how they can um, be part of the of the uh, initial part of the church. I was actually on your Facebook page the other night. You get, There was a couple of um, of events there. You guys were doing some giveaways or some cookie things. It was it was actually a really fun, <laughs> fun thing. I was I, I like I, I, I like watching those videos. It was good. Yeah. So we recently were at a local community event here in Orlando mm-hmm. in the in the neighborhood that we are going to be planting our full-time church and the name of that neighborhood is college park so college park has a uh, an, an area a neighborhood focused organization called main street main street usa is the larger uh, organization they're a secular organization but they focus on building communities and promoting uh, community interaction so you can imagine a church called belong i mean we we see their secular mission as parallel to our spiritual mission gotcha. so in College Park, they hosted an event recently. In fact, it was last, it was on uh, May 11th. 
called uh, Springfest. And it used to be called something else, but that's irrelevant. Springfest is this opportunity. They have a, a band come in, they ask for a $10 donation, and then they have some vendor tables set up. And this year, there was about 4,000 people that attended Springfest. And this is in our, our neighborhood. Our neighborhood's probably about three, three by maybe four miles square. And uh, it, it's a part of the city of Orlando. It's actually in the city limits of Orlando. Mm-hmm. So the, the event, Springfest, we wanted a way to engage with the people. So we had a face painter. Our target demographic for our church, and I think most churches are this way, is families with school-age children. Yeah. We want those those families to feel the support and the nurturing uh, as they're kind of going through this process with their kids in school that, that we didn't get. So that's our target demographic. We had a face painter there for children and that girl worked, oh my gosh, the event started at five. She put her first kid in the chair at about 10 minutes till five and never had a break all the way till 9 p.m. Oh, my word. Kids just came. I mean, she must have, she must have painted 100 kids' faces oh, or more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm it was curious. really amazing. So we we knew – say again? No, I was just, I was just curious. I mean, I, I, I don't want to – go ahead with your story. I'm, my, my main focus is did, did you – turn any hearts towards the Lord? I mean, was this, was this, obviously there's a seed planting. Just, just talk about that if you would. So the, with all these kids coming in, what we wanted to do was we wanted to reach the parents. Exactly. Uh, So that's where the, the, the raffle came in as the children are in line to get their face painted. uh, We're talking to the parents, Hey, you know what? We're going to give away this gourmet dessert box. Mm. We have a, a friend of ours, a partner of the ministry who is a, a gourmet bakery chef. And this guy makes the most amazing desserts you will ever put in your mouth. I promise. I've, I've eaten in some really nice restaurants and they all pale in comparison when it comes to dessert. To well, this the, guy. the guy, the so, guy, I mean, you guys are talking about truffles and he was talking, about, I'm like, you make, I don't even like truffles. I want, I wanted a truffle right then and there. He was talking about it. I made my mouth water. It was fantastic. <laughs> there really are amazing. Um, he made truffles for, we had a volunteer appreciation event uh, in December prior to our soft launch. We wanted, was a prayer supporter appreciation event. Right. Uh, and he made all the desserts and he made these truffles that were chocolate and they had um, like red pepper in them, which you go chocolate and red pepper. Really? Well, if you've ever had like sea salt chocolate, you know that a little bit of uh, a little bit of savory is amazing with the sweet. That's right. Anyway, so this guy's just, he's next level with this dessert stuff. So he volunteered. He said, I'll give you six different items. The winner can pick three and I'll give them a dozen or a pound of the three things that they pick, right. depending on what they pick. Right. So we were able to raffle off, you know, we made a drawing, the Facebook live video for the drawing and then contacted the winner and they've provided for, provided actually allergy information and we're, we're going to go to their house and deliver the desserts. They're going to get a, a t-shirt to a belong t-shirt. So it's a, we're making a big deal out of it. Not because we want, um, not because we're trying to advertise what we did, right. but because we want that person who won 
to feel special. We want them to feel like, hey, there's no strings attached here. We're just interested in being a part of what's going on in your life. And we rely on the Holy Spirit to do that draw, you know, right. hoping that this this thing on social media, the videos on social media, that all points to, you know, what is the Holy Spirit doing to pull people in our direction? We yes. haven't officially launched yet, so we're not out there like, um, even though we give the we give the gospel when there's opportunity. Um, our primary focus at this point is rallying believers, current believers who are in that area, going, "I'm praying for a church to come in that's going to be active in our community." We want to rally them to us, and let's let's get active in the community. Let's let's reach this lost world with the gospel. But we're kind of gathering the workers right now. That's our that's our primary focus. And then in October, as we launch, our focus becomes blanket this community with the gospel and with love and with uh, with a, a, a desire to connect and include them as they kind of work through these stages from unbelief to disciple. That's you know? wonderful. You, you and I have been corresponding back and forth by email. I know you have a heart for missions. Let's turn the page here. Talk about your first impressions of Sat7, and then I want you to share a powerful story that you had emailed to me and Dennis. Just talk about your heart for missions and, and what you think about Sat7, then we'll talk about your, um, your story and what you witnessed in Iraq. We've always been powerfully drawn to missions, to being hands and feet. Uh, one of the good things that came out of being in the cult was there a very works-driven organization, which is not good if you don't have the heart that goes with it. You know, works were a part of our life. But then we began to understand the relationship with Christ and how that should drive, you know, as James explains, you know, how that should drive our works. So already being willing to do the works and then understanding the heart behind it, missions is is the perfect field for someone who has that, comprehension, I believe. So my wife actually did a trip to Africa back uh, about 15 years ago, was just absolutely heart hooked and in love with the people that she was with and ministered to. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Now I'm in the military and I'm in the infantry. And of course I do a combat deployment to Iraq and being infantry on a combat deployment means you're doing patrols every day. You're out in with the people every day. You're risking being too close. You're, you've always got that kind of law enforcement, that, that the thing that law enforcement deals with, where they want to be a part of the community, but they understand that they have to also always have a mind for security in that. And so in my time in Iraq, we experienced a lot of things, a lot of difficult things. I remember being in the, in the tent with the guys and going, Lord, you got to send me back here. I, I want to be a missionary here. I want to come back and reach these people. And when I first got out of the military, I thought this would be the perfect time because I, I still have the right mindset. Like I can still see the security side of things and keep myself safe at the same time being, you know, kind of witnessing under the radar, if you will, to the people there in those neighborhoods, we were in, uh, we were in the Dora neighborhood, we were in Baghdad and uh, Dora was really where, was really where we, we began to connect with people, which is that neighborhood, the Southern tip of the Sunni triangle. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of conflict there, not just 
you know, physical conflict, but you could see the relationships were strained. And of course, the the story that you're referring to, we first got on station there. You know, the first 30 days you get in country, you're just kind of uh, acclimatizing, you're, you're getting used to your surroundings, you're right. talking with the people who are who are patrolling where you are going to be patrolling. Mm-hmm. And the folks that were in charge of the area that we were going to did not have large vehicles like we did. And so they never went in the neighborhoods. They would come and sit outside the neighborhood and watch for people and then just leave. They never talked to anybody. They were just trying to engage people they thought were bad. You know, to their credit, maybe they didn't have the equipment to do it properly. We had the striker vehicles, which is a big eight-wheeled troop carrier, basically. And so we were confident rolling right into the middle of the neighborhood. We had plenty of armament. We had plenty of uh, plenty of weapon firepower, you know. So we rolled into the middle of this neighborhood, started patrolling, and we hadn't been there very long. We started to meet people. We go to the houses and knock on the door and go in and sit and talk for a bit and find out some of their story, try and get some information about what's been going on. Most mm-hmm. of them are hesitant to talk to us mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons, because if they did, then the local militia, for lack of a better term, would find out and kill them and their family. And so we got into a uh, an area where they had these really nice houses, very nice homes. And I remember walking into the first home and seeing a crucifix on the wall. And I thought, man, that is amazing. I can't believe there are Christians here in Iraq. Because everything I knew was that it was basically an Islamic state. But that just wasn't true under Saddam. Saddam kind of, he kept the peace with an iron fist. (laughs) So if you had something against your neighbor and some violence broke out, it was going to be bad for both of you. So people just kind of kept the peace. So Christians could live. They weren't openly Christian. They still, a lot of them still submitted to, you know, the the ladies would cover their heads. um, And there would be no outward appearance that they were worshiping, but it's, it's the underground church. So we're going through these houses and there's probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 homes in one end of this neighborhood. And they're nice homes, apparent that people had been living there recently Uh, but nobody was at home in any of these homes. And so we left and we went to speak with the local leader, the Mukhtar, um, the guy who's kind of like the neighborhood mayor, if you will. And we asked him, hey, what happened to all the people that live in the houses at the other end of the neighborhood? And he said, I think they left in the middle of the night. I think they ran away. And we thought, well, okay, that makes sense. You know, Christians in a nation that is no longer ruled by the iron fist Uh, means that now their lives are suddenly in danger. A few days go by and a gentleman comes to our outpost, which is not far from there. And he says, hey, are you the guys who were asking about the Christians? And we said, yeah, that's us. He said, I know where they are and I can take you to them. Oh, okay. Well, let's go meet them and find out what's going on, thinking there's going to be some deep revelation of things that are happening and they've holed up somewhere and they're they're in a defensive position and we walked to one of the houses where where we had been checking through one of the houses where a, a christian family had lived and we knew it was empty and so when we got there when the guy led us there 
We said, there's no one here. He said, yeah, they're here. And we said, no, we've already been through all these houses. And he said, you have to dig. They're right here. And we unearthed a mass grave where every family in that neighborhood had women, men, children. They didn't care. They killed them all. And they buried them in this large mass grave that, uh, I'm sorry. It's no, uh, you're fine. You're fine. It was, uh, it it was a gut wrenching experience for somebody who is a believer. And it's a gut wrenching experience period. If you're a human at all and you see a family's just tossed your humanity, it just, it breaks your heart. But then to understand that they were martyred, they were killed because of their faith that even more, you know, starts to just rip at your soul for, for a guy who's in the infantry. The, my first reaction is I'm going to find the people who did this and I'm going to handle it. Yeah. But of course, you know, that's <laughs> not our, exactly the Christ reaction. That, yeah. That, that's know? not our job. And just mind say at the Lord. That's right. <laughs> right. And I was really convicted about that while I was there. And so I, I started to pray for these people, mm. for the families, for the, the children that we we started to meet. We had one incident where a gentleman with the suicide vest came in and killed three of our guys, but he did it as they were exiting the school and the kids that went to the school, the Muslim kids that went to the school were just surrounding them because we always brought candy and we were building relationships. And this right. guy walked in the middle of all these children and our guys and, and did what he did. And it, at that point it became, extremely obvious to me i mean the the spiritual warfare there is palpable you can sense it almost as if your enemy is standing next to you your spiritual enemy for me i began to do spiritual battle for those families and for those kids uh, as much as i would prepare for physical battle to this day still praying for those families and those kids many of whom now are adults and probably might even have their own kids. I don't know. I haven't been back. Yeah. It was a powerful reminder of how important the mission is in the middle of that, which is why I love what Sat7 is doing and why I feel like uh, this connection is not, it's not by chance. Powerful story. Thank you so much for, for sharing that on oh, my word. Do a crystal ball thing, maybe one or two years down the road. Um, what do you hope that your church will do there in the local community? And what are you hoping that Sat7 will do in the greater uh, scheme of things? The crystal ball look, if you will, into our local community looks like a community that begins to live as if they believe in Jesus Christ. Because right now I can tell you that community does not. We experienced tremendous pushback from multiple things that we were trying to accomplish in the in the community before we even soft launched we had uh, we were trying to meet in a public school on sunday mornings we offered to pay the rent and the way florida is set up it's basically up to the school administrator as to whether or not they allow a church to come and use their facility on sunday mornings Mm -hmm. we could not find a public school in that neighborhood that wasn't already housing a church, which is only one other public school in the completely opposite portion of College Park. But none of the other schools were willing to allow a church to meet there. And I believe wholeheartedly that's a reflection of the heart of that community. You look at their community events that take place there and they're not, you know, like this, uh, the Spring Fest event, 
started at 5 p.m., went to 11 p.m., and their biggest draw was the open bar. I mean, it wasn't advertised as a family event, although all ages were welcomed. There was no, there was no consideration of, of any type of family oriented things. Um, so for us, and a lot of the things they do as a community, like their, their farmer's market, they have farm quote unquote farmer's market. It's yeah. one of those designer chic ones that you get in yeah. the downtown areas of <laughs> these cities. Yeah. Um, their farmer's market meets on Sunday morning and has a tremendous draw. Thousands of people show up, you know, spiritual welfare on yeah. Sunday morning. Not that you have to go to church on Sunday morning, but that, you know, a time that's widely recognized as spiritual betterment, if you will, by attending a church or learning more or, you know, something church oriented is one of the most popular times to have events in this neighborhood. That's not a, that doesn't reflect the heart of Christ. Right. Just to reiterate, you did actually find, uh, maybe this got lost in translation, so forgive me. You did actually, you do have a building that you will be worshiping come October? Absolutely. We do. We, we actually connected with the local seventh day Adventist school. So they didn't have anything planned on Sunday mornings. So we told them what our, our, uh, what our focus was, what we were trying to accomplish, how we felt God, we told them the story, how we felt God called us to that area to plant the church. And they got on board hundred percent. So cool. we are, we'll be meeting in a, in a local school. there, a private school, not a public school in, in the community there, but that community is so large. I would love to see another church come in in a year or two. You say, and look two years down the road at, at the, at the crystal ball, if you will, I would love to see another church plant in that neighborhood using a public facility to meet kind of that reflection of heart change and reaching out to these kids in public schools. I mean, we'll be doing that as well, but, but the more, the more gospel, the better, as far as I'm concerned, Um, when it comes to sat seven, you know, how we'll engage with them. I, I don't know, but I know that the gospel of Christ has to reach these countries in the middle East. It has to, it will change who you are when you fully understand and grasp, the gospel of Christ. That's one of our missions is a huge part of our church, our, our goal. We're going to operate uh, in parallel at all four levels mentioned in Acts 1-8. And one of those levels is ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see Sat 7 taking a role in that for us as Belong Church. What that is, I have no idea. I've learned not to try and uh, second guess the Holy Spirit. That's right. But I know that, like I said before, this is not a chance uh, connection. I'm excited to see how that relationship grows as we move forward. Excellent. I took a lot of your time today. You've been more than gracious. Would you mind closing our time together, uh, Howard, with a brief word of prayer? Not at all. Lord, thank you for the heart of an organization to take your gospel into quite possibly one of the most difficult and resistant areas of the world. Lord, I know, I know that as you begin to change people with this message, as lives begin to uh, become, uh, become changed due to how they see the person of Jesus Christ and how they see uh, others in their community, Lord, I know that it's, it's going to be partially because of what we're doing here with Sat7 and and Father, I, I just thank you for the opportunity as Belong Church to come alongside them and to, to take, take up arms in this adventure, in this fight, to really carry your gospel to the ends of the earth. 
Lord, I pray blessing over this ministry, that it would multiply, that that your word would be heard throughout the Middle East, and that truth would be would conquer lies, and that lives would be changed. Father, it's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Contact info on your website with Belong Church. How can they get in touch with learning more about uh, Belong? So the name of the church is Belong Church. All of our online presence, we use the uh, moniker I Belong Church. So mm-hmm. it's facebook.com slash I Belong Church. On Twitter, we're at I Belong Church. Instagram, I Belong Church. See how that goes. Yes, yes. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for the time today, Howard. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate uh, what you're doing. And again, that is Howard Salter. Again, check it out, IBelongChurch.com. Again, check him out on Facebook. Some wonderful videos there. And if you're in the Orlando area, go by and talk to Howard and talk to the team there. Their website's fantastic, and they're truly doing the work of God there. Until next time, remember that only with God's strength and God's help, you can make it a great day and an even better tomorrow. We'll chat again next time. We live in a changing world that offers more ways than ever to minister to others. Sat7 is changing how ministry is done by using cutting-edge technology. We beam age-old biblical truth through well-produced programs into living rooms. And by partnering with churches, we're able to overcome obstacles in communicating the gospel message around the world. We also offer web streaming, and our apps can be downloaded on various smart devices across the Middle East and North Africa. Sat7 is also now broadcasting 1,000 hours of content a week, 80% of which is produced in that region with local meta-Christians. In order for Sat7 to continue in this effort, we need support from listeners like you. Visit us online at sat7usa.org slash unconventional. Again, that's sat7usa.org slash unconventional. Or call us at 866-744-7287. That's 866-744-7287.